what I do, Brian. Yeah, it is what you do. So anyways, we are recording your live. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of podcast. And you do not have the right to an attorney. So we're just going to go ahead and go forward. And um, what today, Brent, what is today? Today's... I'm Today's not gonna... Yeah, it's, it's Saturday, 15 August. Why is it Saturday? I thought we record usually during the week. Yeah, well, things happen, man. We just got to push it to the weekend sometimes. But yeah. hey... We love doing this thing, so let's crush yeah. it on the weekend too. Yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry I had to reschedule on you guys a couple times. Yeah, you know this sounds like a thing for you, but we're going to talk about that. So you just keep that thought. Anyways, it's been we've had a little bit of a hiatus. We had a one week, we missed a week, but it's an important week that we missed, and that's because we have a new member of the Hot Isle family on the ground making noises, crying. So how are we doing, Brent? We're doing great. Baby Mackenzie came to us on uh, the 1st of August, uh, which was a Saturday as well. Uh, great day. So the, the wife and baby, we're, we're back home. Everyone's doing great. Uh, we're, we're, we're adjusting our lifestyles. This is our, this is our first baby. And uh, we're, we're learning slowly but surely. Um, you know, the whole diaper thing, the whole blowout thing when to do what, when not to do something. Uh, but she's been a really good baby so far, and Mama Bear is, is doing a good job of, of keeping her satiated. So life is good, man. I got to tell you, man, all that crying and stuff that you're dealing with, it, it goes away eh, like after about 18 years or so. You're good. <laughs> that's what I'm counting on. And, and, and that's what's great about it, right? And so you know, we need to, we need to be thinking about these things, and uh, we're really excited that Mackenzie's here. What really matters to me, though, is do we do we have do we know if she's a, a ginger baby yet? We don't know that yet. Uh, right now, she she has what appears to be kind of like an auburn hair, uh, but in the sunlight, if it catches it just right, it. it I don't know if we're if we're just like hoping for it or or looking for it, but it appears there's a tinge of red to it. Um, but who knows, right? I mean, from 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 reading, it sounds like about six to eight months before eye color and hair color are really defined and, and locked in so we're, we're hoping and waiting um to see what that's going to be but uh there's a possibility man okay well we've got enough baby talk for today and that's what i normally do at home but not on my podcast so you know it is the 15th of august and we are on the hot aisle i'm here with my co-host what's your name again brent piotti brent piotti and i'm brian carpenter and today's guest today's guest is really important today's guest is Fred next. Fred, thanks for joining us. Giddy up, man. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, not on, not only are you Fred Nix, but you're also the guy who has to follow Chad Sackick as usual. <laughs> well, that's uh, uh, apparently my role in life, and I'm I'm quite pleased and happy with it, to tell you the truth. We could are do too. A lot, could do a lot worse than that, right? Yep. Yeah. And the, and the goal of today's show, we're gonna you know we're gonna have fun with Fred, and uh, Fred is an amazing. Fred's a great friend, but Fred's also an amazing character, huge in the uh, the social sphere. I think he's got like four followers, and none of those are family members. And um, we want to talk about some things. With VMworld coming up, we want to talk about some really important things. Number one, key reason we have Fred here is because of Vodgeball. Um, and so we're going to get into Vodgeball. Uh, the other thing is we're going to talk about what Fred did. Uh, it's kind of a follow-on with Chad. When we talk about global pre-sales operations and onboarding SEs and bringing bringing new talent into business, regardless of where you're an SE. It's about what you're thinking about, who you are. And like, like Chad said, you know, it's really about that passion. Uh, and there is nobody more passionate than Fred Nix. Uh, and we might talk a little bit about the shenanigans that Fred 
causes on a daily basis. And uh, just thinking about Fred makes me laugh. So I'm going to have a good time on the show. I hope everybody else is as well. So Fred, thanks again for joining us. Awesome. So Fred, uh, just kind of a quick, I want you to give an intro of yourself, but um, you know, I did some, some uh, online stalking of you and just want to get an under, a general understanding. You've done a lot of stuff, man. You've been in the biz for 21 plus years. You've been an SE consultant, CTO, business development manager, and you're an army veteran, just like me. So uh, thanks for that, man. Airborne. Hello. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Tell me kind of what's your story, and then uh, we'll, we'll dig into uh, a bit more of you know what, what makes you tick, man, and, and, and why you love doing it. So I've known that I was going to do something with in the computer field. I think I was about nine years old. Maybe my parents got me uh, Coleco Atom. I don't know if you guys remember that. It's one of the early computers. And it, you know, a lot of people struggle with what they're going to do in their career, and I just kind of always knew I wanted to be a computer nerd. I just... Um, I've never been, you know, I've always been the bell, bell curve right in the middle of the smarter the, you know, people. There's always smarter people around me. Um, on today's podcast, I'm the third smartest here, so and I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just, and early on, you know, as IT administrator, did my time, and, you know, if you want to think about the time frame this was in, this is back when companies used to call their IT department, you know, the server. The server is down, and when I mean the, like as in singular, you know, every company had one server, if you can imagine. Right about the Novell 3.12 days. And um, I, I started out, and, and the business people would come to me and say, hey, what's the problem? And and I kind of understood how to talk to them in their language, and I also understood the technology. And pretty quickly, I figured out that that was somewhat of a rare ability to to understand the technology pretty cold, but then also be able to switch gears and talk in business terms to the business leaders, you know, about technology, how it can help them, um, you know, what, if we were, if we were having a problem, you know, talk to them in their terms, you know, not saying, um, you know, such and such and such is wrong with the, with the system, but talking to them in business terms about, you know, how that affects them and, and how to move forward. So, um, let me pause that guys. Cause my kid just started playing his, uh, his trumpet downstairs. I don't, I don't know if we, we can't even hear him. So don't worry about it. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome. keep on playing Mason. Um, it's like his second year on the trumpet. Um, you can imagine anyway. So back to, back to, and, and edit that where you, you see fit, but it, I quickly figured out that there was a, there was a skill somewhere involved in being able to understand the technology and communicate that to the business side. Um, and, and it kind of went from there. And so, you know, became an SE, was the CTO of a smaller company in Atlanta for some time. Um, Chad and Wade came to me, I forget, probably six year, five or six years ago and asked me to come work at EMC, and I told them to go to hell that I'd never work at EMC. Um, and uh, for you know several reasons, I was working at a, a reseller, and we were, we were kicking EMC's butt up and down, the, uh, up and down Florida and Georgia, and, and uh, finally just kept talking to them and kept talking to them, and, and they kept telling me, you know, we're, we're going to, create this team within EMC that's really going to change the face of EMC and the public perception of EMC and how, you know, how we do things. And, and, you know, they convinced me to, to come over and it, and then, and honestly, is the, probably the best career move that I've made in my 20 something years of, uh, if you cut me open, I, I literally bleed blue. I, I love EMC as a company, not only for our technology, but for our culture, for our people, for the ability to advance. Um, it's very much a, it's almost, you know, a very, very small company, even though we're, I don't know, 65, 70,000 people now. Mm -hmm. um, and I've just been really fortunate to, 
to be able to work with smart people and 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 to move into different roles that that where EMC needed me and I had a lot of fun doing it. And so you you joined in February 2010. That was with the V Specialist team. That's correct. Uh, I, I was part of Team One, which uh, which is actually the second team because there was a Team Zero, right? And uh, I think we took it to maybe in the 15th or 16th. And what team were you, Brian? Uh, I was Team Not a V Specialist. Oh, <laughs> awkward. I'm a, I'm, I am, so see, I'm, a, I've ingrained myself so well into the V specialist that I am the number one groupie. It. And so, yeah. you know, I got groupie status. It's kind of, you know, I'm a, I'm a clinger. I'm a band hang around. I'm all that, you know, so <laughs> stage you, one clinger. Yeah. I'm a stage one clinger. It's okay. You know, you guys treat me as family and that's, what's part of it. That's what's important. Right. And so the V specialist created this, this situation where EMC reached out in the community and brought people in and brought them under their wing so much so that you actually thought I was one of you when in fact I do not have a bowling shirt. Oh, we can fix that, man. I got a ton of them in my closet. <laughs> well, yours would probably fit me pretty well. So, you know, need the medium right. husky size. Yeah, I need the medium. So, and, and the V Specialist is a really cool organization. I think it has a lot to do with the, the transformation of, of the way people interact, the way people act in general. And I think that culture kind of uh, is pervasive inside EMC today in a lot of very big parts. And that's because of the V Specialist being spread out. So, the people who are on team one. If you remember some of the people who were on your team, I'm sure you remember them like brothers. The, I mean, just think about where they are today. Just met, just name the first couple of people you can think of and where they're sitting today in different yeah. parts of EMC. I mean, you got Chasen, you got Bernie Baker, you got uh, Travers Nicholas, you got, um, you know, there's just the on and on and on. Just it's And it's really a DNA thing, right? So it's not a matter of, of and, it, and it is, they've all gone on to be successful. And I can't think of a V specialist that hasn't gone on to be unsuccessful somewhere. You know, we've proliferated into the community and some have left EMC and gone on to do really big things. But the important piece is, is that not so much the, the you know, following their success, because I think everybody has been quite successful. The important part is that the, the DNA or the, the, the attitude and the always positive and, you know, never go negative and just make sure you, you get the job done. It's just, as was part of the, when they originally created the team, that was the focus was to just create a, a team of people with such a positive attitude that we could pretty much overcome anything. And then, oh yeah, let's make sure they know technology pretty well too. So when you add those two things together, the, the, it's just uniquely powerful that, that, you know, I'm sure there's been other s similar teams in the IT industry, but I, off the top of my head, I can't name another one that, that, you know, took off and flourished and really made change the industry the way that that team did. You know, hats off to Wade, hats off to Chad, those guys that really had the the vision to to see it through and to to execute it and make it happen. And it still flourishes today. It's a it's a great team led by Brian Whitman and a couple other guys, and you know, very very powerful and very influential within the company and within the industry. Yeah, I, I, a lot of the the V specialists that I know have just to your point gone on to do great things. It is a breeding ground for success. I really see that as a, a great group. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a little bit of purview into it because I'm part of uh, uh, the the cloud miners. So I get to see everything awesome. that goes on in that group. So it's great. So speaking of the server, uh, Brent, Brent has this great segment we do called This Week in Tech History. And this week's This Week in Tech History is all about the server, but not exactly. It's really about you know changing the way things happen. So Brent, why don't you why don't you hit on that a bit? Yeah. So this week in tech history, uh, August sixth, nineteen ninety seven, Apple and Microsoft call a truce. So um, at MacWorld Expo, they uh, Microsoft and, and Apple announced a five year alliance. And so basically, part of that deal was 
so that they would continue to work together on things like Microsoft Office. Um, Apple would make Internet Explorer their main browser on the Mac. Um, and then Microsoft also invested $150 million. Um, in, well, they bought $150 million of Apple stock. Um, but uh, it was basically they're going to do cross-licensing. So my question to you, Fred, is, uh, and I think I already know the answer, but are you a Mac or PC guy? Mac. Okay. I don't think I've used a PC as a primary computer in s- 10 years. Okay. Yeah, you know, wow. I, I, you know Brian's, Brian's a Mac guy. I'm a PC guy. Had a Mac, liked it. Um, but I guess my question to you, you know, you're an SE, you're an SE manager. Um, you use the tools that we have. So can an, can an EMC SE be successful on a Mac? And I'm talking about a 100% Mac only no VDI, and no dual booting. Well, i, I got to back up and understand the, the, what's the reason for limiting yourself to the tools that are available, right? So if, if you can use VDI, you could use dual boot. I mean, I, I don't, you know, why would you limit yourself and say, well, I'm not going to use this tool or that tool to be successful? I kind of come at it from let's find the thing that I like to use the most of the time and use all the tools that it provides you know, to, to be successful. Um, if we go hard line down your, down your questioning, probably not. It probably, you know, you're going to need a, you're going to need a, a VDI session or, um, you know, an older internet explorer browser for, you know, just weird things that we do is within EMC to, you know, um, for processing tools and, and sizing capacity kind of stuff. But, you know, to, to answer, if you want to go binary, yes or no, no, you cannot be successful just using one or the other. Well, maybe one, but not the other. <laughs> yeah, and you could, I, you know, it's actually since I run as an since I run as an SE on a Mac, hundred percent, I do use my VDI a lot. However, I use my VDI ninety five percent for email, which I don't have to. Um, the rest of it, though, things like Sim Merge and stuff like that, those tools are getting a little bit long in the tooth, and that's why they're all yeah. they're all PC based. But frankly, uh, I see them going away. Right, the shared services stuff that we have to be able to do things like quoting and and sizing and all that stuff really make. It to the point where I don't even have to get into the tools. Sometimes, as you know, like on Slack, you know, I'll be like, somebody's like, how do I do this one thing with this one tool? And I'm like, why do it? You know, let's move on from that. So I don't see, I see where maybe 12 to 18 months we could go all Mac. And if you look, um, especially with the SE tools, they're looking at the, you know, thought processes around how we use our tools. They're looking at maybe even having something like BYOD, like a true BYOD, not just choose your platform, but just bring it. Um, as that happens, we're going to see things like this get better and better. So, uh, I mean, just the VMAX, just the VMAX sizer, which is all HTML, uh, VNX sizer, which is headed that way. Um, you know, it's, those are, again, those are here and there tools. Most of the time you can use a desk to do those kind of things. So, um, you know, I, yeah. I, I agree with Fred, don't limit yourself, but, uh, at the end of the day, you're going to be much better if you use a Mac. So on your next refresh, <laughs> Brent, get a Mac. Yeah. I had a Mac when I first started and I ran into um, some of those issues, so I switched to a PC. But um, yeah, I just wanted the the simplicity. Now I have like a fifty pound laptop with the you know the 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 nuclear power plant that I have to carry with me. It's a, it's a pain in the ass, but uh, it does work. Fred and I, Fred and I were talking with some friends just yesterday about uh, lightening your backpack. Right, it was uh, yesterday, day before, about lightening your backpack, and we were having a discussion about how we could do our jobs on a Surface Three. My biggest problem, I mean, the Surface 3 is awesome, would, would definitely use that for my job, except for the fact that I'm a Mac fanboy. And so I'm, I'm, losing my, I'm losing my street cred with my Mac if I do that, and I won't have my iTunes. Maybe I will, but it won't be the same. 
So Fred, I don't know if you, what you think about that or what's your, like, you know, what does your team do? Have they even talked to you about things like that? Yeah. So the team, everybody, you know, I've hired a couple of folks now in the, in the role and everybody comes on, definitely wants a, a, uh, a Mac to begin. Uh, we do have a couple of the guys, um, that are just hardcore PC like Brent, you know, there's just not going to change. Um, but you know, they, you do get a choice when you come in, which, which way, you know, if you want a Mac or a PC and they typically, the new guys pick a Mac. And that's, you know, we see that for people who select themselves. I probably see that 80% of the time. I don't know about you, Brent. Uh, I think people like the sexiness of the Mac. Uh, so a lot of times we'll, we'll go towards it. Um, but you know, for some of the reasons that we talked about, the PC ends up prevailing oftentimes. I, I recently got a surface three, uh, to, to take into meetings and, you know, cause I can run everything out of Evernote and simplicity. Um, so that works really well. Un- unfortunately, I need to get, uh, outlook set up on it. And once I do that thing, will be fine tuned and, and ready to rock and roll. So let's, let's talk about what we actually got Fred here. Fred is a, is a pay for play kind of guy. And so we had to beg him to come here and talk. We said, we promised we would talk about Vodgeball. Uh, all kidding aside, VM world is, Less than ten, less than two weeks away. I think we're flying out roughly this weekend, two weekends from now, right? Yes. And um, so, and VMworld for you is the key thing, as far as I know. And tell me otherwise is Vodgeball. Well, it's it's definitely one of the big components of the thing that uh, I'm you know proud of and excited about. I think this will be our sixth uh, annually to be our sixth year. And if you want to find out information, go to Vodgeball.com, which is V zero dgeball.com. Uh, this will be the sixth year. The little bit of the history of it is Beaker and Chad, about six years ago, decided they wanted to just go do something athletic and have fun. So they got some dodgeballs and went out into a park right there in San Francisco and just started pegging each other and, and having fun. And the next, the next year, um, you know, they had so much fun that they decided to organize it a little bit better. And the next year we went to, uh, we didn't have a place to go. And, it, you know, there's a lot of p- folks that wanted to come the next year. And we actually found a Jewish community center that let us all in. And, you know, we went in there and, and, and played for several hours. And then we started thinking, well, this thing is, you know, a lot of people like to do it. A lot of people want to get involved. And so we decided we wanted to, you know, make it a charity event. And, and the charity that we chose was the Wounded Warrior Project. And they, they've been great. We average every year, you know, we've been increasing the, the amount donated. I think the first year might have been eight grand. And this year we'll probably hit 20, uh, maybe upwards of 20 something. And, uh, you know, on, you know, for one day to, you know, $20,000 donation to the wounded war, I, I think that ho- hopefully, you know, that we as a community are making a difference there and providing that to them. You know, each, t- we have a, you know, we try to make it, or not only not try, but it's not a commercial for any one company, including EMC. And we try to keep it really community focused and, you know, focused on what, what reason we're there, which is to, you know, raise money, number one. And number two, just have a good time in the community. So each, you know, we've had Juniper, we've got resellers, we had Cisco, VCE, Pure Play, you know, Pure gets in there, NetApp gets in there, you know, so it's across the whole industry. And what we do is we have uh, each company donates $1,000 directly to Wounded Warrior and, and sends me the receipt. I don't, I don't want to touch the money, never, that's a bad, bad thing. So they, they donate the money to Wounded Warrior, send me the receipt, and they're registered as a team. And then we uh, we go. We got Andy Banta that uh, that uh, runs the referees for us, and we do it at the Soma Rec Center right there. And it's always the Sunday before EMS or before VM World starts. So this year it'll be the same place, the Soma Rec Center, three o'clock. 
And uh, we, we encourage people to donate, you know, the, the change in their pocket as much as they want. We've had some um, some folks at the end, of, and I won't call the person's name out, but they'll know it when they hear it, that he walked up to me and said, how short are we on getting to our goal this year? And I said about $800, and he, he sat down and wrote me an $800 check to Wounded Warrior. So wow. there's a lot of folks that are out there that uh, that do amazing things and really, you know, help. And it, it's it's an ongoing thing that I really enjoy doing. It's a, it's a little bit of work, but it's definitely worth it. And I encourage everybody, if you're going to be at VMworld this year, um, you know, come on out. Yeah, very cool. I, you know, I love the Wounded Warrior Project, and, and we touched on it early on, but uh, we're both veterans. Um, so near and dear to my heart, you know, I, I served in Afghanistan for about three years as a private oh. contractor. and then, uh, Thank you. Yes, uh, and then did 10 years uh, in the service prior to that. But uh, tell me a little bit about what you did, because uh, you spent some time uh, in, the, in the dirt, too. So tell me a little bit about what you did in the Army, man. Yeah, so I was a combat medic. Um, and I was over in San Antonio and in, and a little bit in Georgia and a little bit in, in, uh, South Carolina. It's a lot of fun. I, uh, I, I am proud to say that, I, you know, saved a, saved a couple of lives along the way. And, uh, it's been very useful skill in, in my life even now, you know, maybe every two years or every so often, you know, you witness a car accident and it's bad and it's right there in front of my face and I jump out of the car and run over and I know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people are standing around and, you know, with their finger in their nose, not sure what to do. And I shove them out of the way and, and start triage and start, you know, it's probably been three or four times since I've been out of the service that I've been able to put those skills to work. And it's, it's, um, it's scary, but it's, it's also, you know, it's, 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 it feels good to, to be there, you know, when it happens and to have those skills to help somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I still have my combat lifesaver bag. And uh, the the day that I went to interview for this job at EMC, an accident happened right um, right in front of the restaurant. I was meeting my my former boss, and I grabbed my combat lifesaver bag and I went over there. Luckily, everyone was good to go. But uh, I think it's just yep. kind of instilled in you with absolutely being confident with those skills, having the tools to execute, and just you know having that mindset. So it's great. I pretty much stop um, you know at at any accident. Just so I can assist in any way, but uh, I love it, man. It's it's a great it's a great story. Yeah, and I'm gonna sit over here with my finger in my nose, proverbially. <laughs> so, uh, you, look, guys, thanks both of you for you know serving in the army, and thanks for you for you know using your skills later in life. It was one of the things. One of my one of my best friends actually served in the Air Force, and uh, the way I met him was you know he got hired on. I hired him on at my old job, probably eight, nine, ten years ago. It's been so long, I can't remember the time. And, you know, I looked at his resume, he had a lot of active service, and then afterwards he had basically one or two jobs. And when I talked to him, I knew he had all the skills from having served in the military that would serve me well, which is, you know, he was very structured, he was really good at what he did, Um, he was willing to work hard, he knows what hard work's like, and IT is not it. Um, And so I knew that I could use him, and to this day, still one of my best friends, you know, my kids actually go to jujitsu class where he's a a purple belt teaching, Um, you know, People like you guys are the you know the salt of the earth and people that I look up to. Meanwhile, you know the best I did was go to military school because I got kicked out of public school. So <laughs> the, the thing that the the biggest thing that changes made on my life was it changed what I it changed the level of what I thought something difficult to do was, and it also you know I don't get as stressed out about things you know no you know step one is anybody shooting at you no okay then this isn't that stressful. Right. You know, in business, you know, everybody, you know, stressful times and stressful things. But, you know, it, it's definitely lowered, 
you know, my or increase my ability to, 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 you know, withstand the stressful situation because, you know, like I said, question number one, is anybody shooting at us? Nope. All right, we're good. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that stressful. So, so I, I kind of bringing this back to, to, to work, right? If you look on your team, Fred, do you have any military guys? Absolutely. Several. Cool. And, and what, what do you see in them, um, you know, that makes them good, good SEs? Um, you know, a lot of it's, is a uh, sense of urgency is the number one thing I can, I can teach anybody technology. Um, I can teach, you know, people the LUNs and the arrays and the model numbers and the drive speeds and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, uh, we all know we're kind of moving to the point where that stuff doesn't matter anyway. But what I can't teach somebody is a sense of urgency or interpersonal skills. You know, if your parents didn't teach you to have a sense of urgency or didn't teach you how to interact with people and be polite, then you're not, you know, at our age, you're just not going to learn it. So I really do look for somebody that's got, you know, that's aware, that wants to, to treat people right, that wants to interact with customers, um, that has a sense of urgency, that wants to get things done. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, do you also know the technology? Because if I had to teach one or the other, I'll definitely, you know, you can't teach the, the earlier. You just can't. And so, you know, let's, and, and you know, you're still, we wanted to talk a little bit about this pre-sales thing and you talking about the urgency and things like that. You, the global pre-sales job that you had, uh, essentially towards the last part of your V-Specialist career, you got put into, my understanding was a global pre-sales operations role. Uh, Correct. And so ab- above all the things that, that you were asked to do by Chad to help facilitate the team and do a bunch of stuff like that and, you know, all the things that were important, one of the things you got tasked with and, you know, one of the things that was most exciting to me when I came to EMC was the whole new hires geek week and taking that flavor of geek week that came from the B-Specialist team and feeding it to every new SE possible inside the EMC organization. Um, yes. So when Chad and Wade and the rest of the V-Specialist leaders created this V-Specialist team, they, they created it with the idea that, you know, when the people come through this team, they're going to go forth and go out into the, the the rest of the company and, and infect the rest of the company with that same attitude and the same, you know, go positive energy. And so we took a lot of the same onboarding pieces and parts that we did for the V specialist and applied those to the, you know, the core SE onboarding system. And, you know, with the me presentations, with the geek week, um, with the, you know, drinking from a fire hose to try to learn all the technologies. And, and you're right, it, it, it will, I'll look back when I'm in my rocking chair, you know, in the Bahamas on the beach in my retirement, and I'll look back and that's going to be probably one of my, you know, my favorite parts of my, my career was, you know, those two or three years where it was pretty intense on onboarding. And I, I believe I, I was lucky enough to, I think I probably was, uh, you know, assisted and helped with onboarding of a, at least a thousand, maybe 1200 SEs. And, and EMC. And I know a lot of them's name, you know, I don't, I probably couldn't name them all, but I, I probably can name over half of them, you know, on site. And it's a, it's a lot of fun to get to see, you know, them grow up. And, you know, three years later, we've got some that have, you know, moved on to SCD managers that have gone into specialty roles that have just been crazy successful. And, you know, it's just a lot of fun. I don't want to call them my kids, but, you know, I feel, you know, I feel like I had a part of helping them come on board and helping them understand what's expected of them within EMC and how to be successful. And, you know, within that program, we really go go into a lot of the, you know, here not only here's the tools and the technology that you need to be successful, but here's the attitude that you need. Here's the, here's this, the, the t- never take no for an answer. Here's the, you know, sense of urgency that you're going to need to be successful. And really took a lot of time 
and spent probably more time than any other company I've ever known on talking and, and teaching and influencing them to take that part of the soft skills of the job very seriously. Whereas a lot of our competitors, you know, you co they come into their onboarding and, and a lot of the folks that came through the program told me, you know, I went through onboarding at XYZ and I don't want to name any particular companies, but, you know, the big companies that we all know. And they said, you know, I got none of these other, you know, life skills, soft skills. It was all about the technology. And so we really found success in, in creating a bond and a team where almost military-like, um, you know, Chad a lot of times had to sit me down and said, Fred, we want culture, <laughs> we, we want culture, not cult, right? So there's a little bit of difference there. Um, but, you know, just passion about wanting to create a team of people that, you know, and, and even still to today, you know, I, I get messages from people that still stay in touch, even across the world, you know, hey, hey, Fred, I was with you at, you know, on team, um, you know, seven at Babson, and I still keep in touch with my friends from Israel or from South Africa, and we still talk, you know, a lot. So just created relationships and, and things, and and it's very, very powerful. Uh, and I, I really believe that those relationships are they're helpful for our company because, you know, we have a better cohesiveness and we, we can collaborate better. But it also, I think a lot of those friendships that are you know, that, that we created back at Babson and within the V-Specialist team are going to go well beyond EMC and be lifetime friends. You know, I, I'm, you know, friends with Brian and Brett getting to know you, and I, I think that I'll be friends with, with both of you guys, you know, years to come, not just, you know, because of the industry, but because you're good people and good, good to be around. And, and that was actually, you know, again, I, I got to go through the process. I knew you beforehand, which was a, a you know, a one-up. It felt very comfortable to me. But I got to go through the new hire process, and I was extremely excited about it. It's still one of the most memorable parts of my EMC career two years later. So, um, I mean, I remember Ali Hamdan, uh, who was in my group, right? I mean, I don't get to see him because he's in the Middle East for his job. But, man, that guy, I can remember everything about him. If he emailed me, I'd give him every piece of information I had and probably let him stay at my house. Um, yeah. a guy on your team, Joey Rizzo was in my, was in my onboarding team and we talk all the time and we share information and help each other out. Uh, it really is a sense of community that spans across, uh, I think Chad said last week he had what, 6,000 people. Is it four or 6,000 people? I can't remember. So somewhere, somewhere in there. It's a lot, right? And it's amazing. And so those are the people, the me presentation is huge, right? I mean, I, I learned who 50 people were at the core and it had nothing to do with their resume. And I can tell you stories about guys who did like crazy rebreathing, scuba diving guys who, yep, the German, know, he's German. Yes. German guy. Uh, and you know, I can, I can tell you all sorts of stories about, you know, how you, how you're not allowed to smile in certain cultures when you talk, you know, all sorts Ollie. of, yes, Ollie, um, you know, like there's so many characters and, you know, you think you're funny and you realize you're the, the, the least funny person in the world, right? So a lot of great people. Uh, Jason Battles up in Oklahoma, who was my roommate, a uh, great cuddler, um, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. So it's just friends. For, I just saw Jason the other day at VC and it was like we just got, you know, just crawled right. out of the same uh, hotel room at Babson. Well, you know, it just feels right. the exact same. So I loved it. I I want to be careful here. You know, it's not my program. It's not what Fred did. It was a team of people that I happen to be a part of. So I certainly don't want to paint the picture that I, you know, I think it's all me because it certainly isn't. Uh, there's so many people that have been involved throughout the years and, you know, I just want to make it clear that I'm not, I don't own it. I was lucky enough to be a part of it. You got to, you got to run the shit, but look, when you're giving hugs in the morning and stand up there in front and, you know, whoop it up, um, you, you know, you do, you get people to silence just by clapping your hands. 
Um, there is a lot of you that bleeds into that as much as all the other people that bled into you to help you. Um, and I think it's important to give you credit where it, it is due. Um, people gravitate to you because of what you did in that program. So be humble like you always are, but also take some credit for all the things you did for, for me and the 1200, you know, thousand plus that you also touched. Right. I appreciate that. So, you know, and that, you know, I do want to talk a little bit. I mean, memorable Wessies is, as part of it. Um, you remember me because you remembered me. We remember Ali because of that great presentation, which is on your YouTube. Uh, you know, tell me some, tell me about some other people that you remember, you know, quickly that were part of that whole thing. They're just like, they stand out like a bright light. You know, the interesting thing is I want to talk in terms of just groups of people more so than any particular individuals, but you know, the, the me presentation that you touched on, and, and I want to offer if anybody out there, EMC or not EMC, that wants to talk about onboarding, I, I'm absolutely, there's no secrets. I'll be happy to give them the entire formula of how we do it, what we do, and what we think makes uh, cohesive teams, you know, come together as quickly as possible. So I'm happy to, you know, just hit me on social media somewhere and I'll be happy to have a discussion with you. I've actually talked to three or four companies um, in the past that had nothing to do with technology and just tried to help them with their onboarding program. Uh, not that I'm an expert by any means, but I've, you know, I've done it enough and I've seen what, you know, I know, like I think Thomas Edison said, he knows, you know, a thousand ways that, that things don't work. You know, when he's trying to invent something, he comes up with a thousand ways that it doesn't work before he gets that one. So I know, you know, the ways things work, I know how to be, I think I know how to be you know, create powerful teams and it's a lot of fun. Now back to your question. Um, the, the interesting thing was is that the me presentations and the ways that we, we got the teams to integrate, it brought out commonalities that I don't think that we could have gotten to without doing it. And here's an example. Um, so there was, so everybody, just so the audience knows, there's about 50 people per class and uh, each we start, always start on a Sunday at one o'clock and each person has 10 minutes or so to get up and, and do a me presentation. And what that means is, you know, I told them, I don't want you to tell me where you worked last or what technologies or what your certifications are. You know, we want the picture of you, you know, bungee jumping in, in the Caribbean or, you know, your pet turtles or, you know, tell us something about you. And so what happened was we'd start to get, we'd start to see similarities across the team where we might not find it. One of the things that really, sticks out in my mind was uh, one of the guys got up and he gave a presentation. He was passionate and his thing that he really enjoyed doing was uh, very advanced church bell ringing. The, the type where you've got 10 or 12 people, you know, pulling on a rope and each, each of the bells is, you know, maybe a couple of tons. So, you know, really advanced church bell ringing. And if you wouldn't believe this, but come to find out there was another person in the same group that had the exact same passion. So my point here is, my guess is, just in the course of learning technology, those guys probably would not have connected that they really both enjoy ringing church bells, right? So it was op it was eye opening for me to like, holy crap, you know, this is powerful because those guys were, you know, yin and yang the rest of the week talking about church bell stuff, and it's actually pretty interesting when they you know talk to you about the, you know, the practicing and how how all the how all it works, and they really really got into it. So my point here is. You know, there's no way that those guys would have come together and figured out that that was both a passion to them, you know, just in the course of learning about a VNX somewhere. You know, it was it's important to start building the team first. And then after that, uh, you know, after they feel like they're more of a cohesive team, what happens is they're actually 
you know, if you're in a group of people and it's your third day and you've you've been learning technology and you're you're getting to the point of burnout and you know you don't really know the people around you and you have a question, you may or may not raise your hand because you don't know the people around you and you kind of feel stupid. Well, maybe I'm the only one that doesn't know it and they're a little bit a little bit shy about maybe asking a question or putting it out there that maybe they don't know something. But when they come together as a team on that first day and they learn a lot about each other. That the barriers come down and they, they quickly figure out, you know, I, I, they, they don't mind asking those tough questions or maybe putting themselves in a situation because they're comfortable around the rest of the team enough to speak up and say, hey, I need help here. And then what happens is not only do the people that are, you know, quickly are, are feel okay or feel like they're in a safe place to ask for help, not only does that occur, but then when they do ask for help, you get 12 people that jump jump down and say, I want to help you. How can I help? And it, you know, and then once one person does it, the next person says, well, you know, uh, Becky asked the question and, and she got help, so maybe I can do the same thing. So I think f- building the team is, is important from the standpoint of getting to know people, but there's actually benefits that come out of it that, that are derived to help on the technology side as well because people relax and are able to, to uh, you know, feel like they're in a safe place where they can learn without being judged or, or made fun of. Yeah, we've got a great culture here. I mean, I must admit, I'm, I'm, we're obviously biased, but I, I do think sure. that it uh, is in fact true. And and those that have left and gone to do other things at other companies, um, you know, a lot of times we still keep in touch with them. Um, they're still active in the community. And uh, the point is, you know, it's, it's that passion. It's the culture. Uh, it's everything that uh, I think, you know, this group here has. Uh, and then our brothers and sisters in the pre-sales community um, certainly why I think our, our tenure here is probably the, the, the longest of, of most groups within EMC. Yep. Uh, you know, I've told, I've told my managers and my manager's managers and all those that the only, only way I'm leaving EMC is if they make me. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> sure. So let's, let's take it uh, out of the weeds a little bit here. And uh, we, we want to talk a little bit about you, right? So this is your me presentation. So I've seen on Twitter, uh, I've heard that you're you're a stand-up comedian, and uh, I want to know oh, more gosh. about that. So tell me, how long uh, how, how long have you been doing that, man? Tell me just more about it. So the, the guy that, that taught me, his name is Bart Queen, that really instructed me, and, and God bless Bart Queen, that guy is, a, I mean, he changes more people's lives than, than anybody I know. He, he, he taught me a lot about interpersonal skills and, and, and translated that into public speaking. Um, and it was interesting because he trained, I don't know how many thousands, tens of thousands of people. And uh, we just, we kind of hit it off and I went on a trip with him to a, a, a public speaking conference down in Orlando. And, you know, just, he just challenged me to keep doing it and keep getting out there. And, and he said, Fred, you're pretty good. You do, you know, you're doing all right. He said, the, the hardest form of public speaking by a long shot is stand-up comedy. And the reason for that is if you and I go and give, a, let's say, a, a VNX or a VMAX presentation to a group of people, the people in the audience are listening for the content and they're, they're watching and understanding. But they kind of hold reservation for if they really like what's going on or not. You kind of make a judgment call at the end of the speech, you know. So what Bart taught me was is that stand-up comedy you know, how many times you listen to a comedian and you're like, oh, that, he's pretty funny. And then 20 seconds later, you're like, oh, that, he's terrible. And then 20 seconds later, that was hilarious. I kind of liked him. And then 20 seconds later, you know, you're back to not being funny again. And, and stand-up comedy, you really have to, you really, really, every 20 seconds have to control your audience, 
feel where they are, stay with them, keep them in, you know, keep them involved in the, in the comedy. And it's just, if you can be successful at standup, then, you know, it, it actually helps you uh, feel more relaxed. And, you know, I've, when I go do standup and I've probably done it maybe 10 or 15 times, I'm, I'm way more nervous in a room full of maybe 50 people to do standup than I, than I would be going on stage at VMworld and giving a, a presentation to 20,000 people. Um, I did the highlight of my uh, stand-up was I got to open up for Ron White um, maybe about six months ago at the Improv in Atlanta, and I'll never forget he slapped me on the back just as I was going up, and he said, "I'm on after you. Don't fuck this up." And, uh, <laughs> and man, I walked up on the stage, grabbed the mic, and I had no idea what my first joke was going to be. I was just completely flabbergasted. You know, any of the big CEOs can walk up to me and I'll talk to them, and I'm not intimidated. But for some reason, it just made me swallow hard and just run white. I look back over; he's standing there. He turns the chair around backwards, puts his elbows up on the ch- chair, holds his glass of scotch, pulls out his cigar, and and looks at me like, "What you got, kid?" And uh, it was it was pretty funny. So, a couple of my jokes are uh, you really I don't think we can do them here. But he did come to me afterwards, and he said, Fred, I've been a comedian for I don't remember how many years. And he goes, I'm a professional, and, and you got to hear this in the Ron White voice. I've been in com- comedy for uh, 15 years. And, and he said, he goes, I, I, you can tell me the opening line of pretty much any joke, and I'll tell you what the punchline is. And he's, you know, he just, he's just that attuned to, the, to comedy. And he goes, but i got to tell you that last joke, I had no idea where you're going and he goes, that was my favorite one. And, and if anybody wants, wants uh, me to tell it, I'll be happy to tell you one-on-one, but I'm not telling it here. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you. I mean, it's bad enough that Ron had to ruin our PG rating for this, this episode, but we'll keep it in. And, we can beat uh, it, right? Nah, we're good. Whatever. Right. Let, let him catch us. Um, so, I mean, that's awesome. So you, you brought some jokes with you today, right? Uh, sure. So you want, the, you want the PG ones, right? So yeah. two we satellite- 13. Two satellite dishes fell in love and got married. The wedding wasn't that wasn't that great, but the reception was amazing. Zing! Waka waka. <laughs> that sounds like something that your thirteen year old six. Yeah, that's my, my son Mason. Actually, that's, that's from the story. Laffy Taffy inside of Laffy Taffy. Yeah, rapper. Girl, shake that Laffy Taffy. Uh, yeah. Okay, so speaking of singing, which I did horribly, uh, and I think you do too, as long as you don't have auto tune. Um, seen some great, 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 hilarious videos from you, right? So. Um, just the ones that I can think of kind of sort of off the top of my head. The fact that I wrote them down is not cheating. Um, cloud freaky cloud shop EMC style, which could also be called OPA EMC style hardware for what hash Brown, you know, hashtag hardware for what and not singing, but between two clouds, which may sound a little bit like between two ferns, amazing and hilarious videos that you are a, a, again, a linchpin and not necessarily the only person but a huge part of tell us about the video process. Tell us about, you know, the hilarity that ensues, but also the, 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 the creation process. Oh man. So 2010 with the V specialist team and we were sitting around and kind of, I guess we might've been having a Coca-Cola somewhere after work and uh, wink, wink. And a, a guy that a couple of you folks may know, Nick Weaver and I were sitting there and we decided we wanted to, and we were individual contributors on the V-Specialist team, and we decided we wanted to somehow make a splash at VMworld, but we weren't exactly sure how we were going to do it. And I believe it was originally Nick, no, I don't believe it, it was originally Nick Weaver's idea to, he goes, well, let's make a rap video. And we said, okay. And so I had never had any any experience making any 
videos, especially rap videos, or music or anything. And so we just we decided to just take it a step at a time. So I call I happened to Google Rap Studio and Patchwork Studio just happened to come up. I called I called the uh, called the studio and said, Hey, I want to make I want to make a rap song. I've never done it before, and I don't have any money. But what I do have is I do have three iPads. And back then the V Specialist team had that was like two days after iPads came out. So remember, like they were you know it was a big deal the iPad. And I told told the, the guy, I said, I don't have any money, but I do have some iPads that I can give you. And it turns out I was talking to the owner of the company, and he, and I didn't realize it. And he said, yeah, we'll, we'll do it for two, iPad, two or three iPads. Come on in. So, you know, we wrote the, the lyrics, and, you know, I, I write some of the lyrics. There's a lot of, you, you know, Brian, you've helped out. Like Brian Gracely's helped out. I mean, there's just been – it's never, ever just me. Um, in fact, the the one – if you try to do anything like that, what happens is – if you go to somebody and say, hey, this is mine, and I own it, you want to help me do it? People are like, meh, not really. But if you go to people and say, hey, I've got this idea, and I've started it, and here's kind of where it is. You want to be a part of this and help me and make it ours together? People are like, yeah, I want to be involved in that. And that's kind of true not just with rap videos, but just anything that you work on in life. If you you know include everybody and not make it, you know, this is mine, will you help me? No, I don't want to help you. But if you say this is ours, let's work on it together, people can get excited. So we just, you know, the first V Specialist Delight, we, we rented a camera in San Francisco. We, we went to VMworld uh, one day early, and, you know, the, the, we got a bunch of the, the V Specialist guys from literally from all over the world. We recorded it. Uh, we had Chris Birdwell was the, uh, I guess, the cameraman. He had gone to school or taken classes in that somehow, and I had a little bit of experience. And we literally uh, video edited it the night before VMworld started on a Dell EMC-issued laptop. I remember rendering each of them the videos. took like maybe two or three minutes each time you wanted to see how it looked. So it just took forever. Um, but And a lot of people tell me, you know, it's, it's the least polished of all the videos because since then, you know, we ended up getting some help and, and got professionals involved. But a lot of people say to this day it's still their, their favorite one just because it's, you know, it's so grassroots and you can just kind of tell that you know we did it from start start to finish on our own so each time i've done those you know we did that and i remember we didn't tell chad or his boss at the time was frank Halk. we didn't tell him that we were doing it so we figured we're either going to get you know we're either people are either going to love it or we're going to get fired so the emc party at vmworld we we guerrilla warfare and grabbed a projector and set it up in the bar with probably maybe three or 400 people there and uh, tapped it into the bar sound system. You know, that's the V specialist way. We just kind of figured it out. We didn't ask permission. We just did it and threw it up on a, you know, a big 20 foot projector screen. And I looked over at Mr. Hawk and Chad and said, I hope you enjoy it. And here we go. And we hit play and, you know, it was an homage to Chad and how much we loved working for him and our leader. Um, if you go back and listen to the lyrics, you can hear some, a lot of inside uh, joke, that are pretty pretty funny even still today and uh i was chad of course loved it you know he, he sat there and joked around mr halk uh if you know him from emc in fact he i, I probably look up to frank halk as, as much or more than any other executive within emc and i'll try to model the things that i do based after him he stood there with his arms crossed with some really big customer standing next to him which kind of made me nervous actually and uh he sat there with his arms folded and watched it didn't had no, no emotion on his face whatsoever. 
and it ended and I looked at him just kind of cringingly like, oh my gosh, here it comes. And he looked at me and didn't smile, nothing. He goes, play it again. <laughs> and so at that point, I, we knew we were going to be okay. So interestingly enough, pretty much almost immediately the next time that EMC World or our VMworld came around, you know, Chad and the rest of the team kind of came to me and said, and said, uh, you know, what are you going to do this time? What's coming up? And so, you know, each time, I don't know, I don't want to use the word expectation, but people have kind of gotten used to looking for something to come. Um, but I will tell you this, every time I make one of those, I'm pretty sure they'll never let me do it again. Um, so, you know, I, you know, people always ask, do I have something coming out at, at uh, VMworld? And the answer is no, I don't. I've been, you know, dug in on my new role at EMC. Uh, we did just do the uh, Between Two Clouds with interviewing uh, Chad and a, an executive over at Brocade. So you can check those out if you'd like. And uh, they're, you know, in the style of Between Two Ferns. Um, you know, and then people always ask me, what are you going to do next? I, you know, I really don't, I don't have any ideas. Typically, I don't stretch to it. I don't go, well, maybe that kind of works and maybe we'll try that. It's got to be a, I'm in the shower and it hits me and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's it. And, and I'm absolutely certain. So, you know, when people go, what about this? And you kind of go, man, that's kind of funny. Maybe without, you know, I don't start with that. It's always, oh my God, that's it. And then, you know, when you talk to people about it, you know, and there's always a small group of people that are, that are involved with it, that we kind of keep it tight and, you know, we try not to have any links, you know, leaks and, uh, you know, everybody that gets involved always helps to add to it. And it's, you know, each person that gets involved, it just gets better and better and better. So I don't think there's probably six or seven or eight of them at this point. I don't know what the real number is, but they're, um, they're funny, they're fun to make and they're, my, uh, stress level goes through the roof because, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Matrix Three, but um, you know it, it was terrible. So I'm just sure that the next one that we make is, you know, I'm going to fail. So I, don't, I guess that's just part of my personality. Um, just anxiety about, you know, if people are going to like it or not. So you've got a good know. streak, man. You've got a good streak. So don't beat yourself well, up, dude. Start yeah, making more stuff. You know, going through your YouTube channel, um, <laughs> I watched the video speaking of Chad. The, the the one line that I took away was Fred is a hazard to humanity, and I almost <laughs> fell out of my chair. But uh, it's it's fun how you and Chad just really you know have fun with one another. He enables you to do things, and and uh, everyone gets a gets a good laugh out of it. But uh, he's got a great personality, and man, just loves busting your hump. Yeah, I've I've gotten a master's degree in how to you know in in how to treat people and leadership from Chad over the years and and so many other people at EMC you know it's just been amazing to you know to, to learn from them and just mimic their style I've you know all the stuff that I do I've learned from somebody else and I enjoy you know it's just enjoyed it's a lot sure. of fun. So speaking of busting your hump, I, I listen to, to uh, speaking in tech. So tell me about what this this ongoing feud is. I, I keep hearing them mention your name about every single episode. So I got to know what's the backstory, man. I don't. You know, me and Greg are just really good friends, and Ed Ed and I are good friends, and I've, I've met Sarah a couple of times, and I don't. I was on one of their speaking in tech podcasts pretty early in. I, I think they've gone ginormous now, but you know, back I knew them back when they were nobody, and and had a lot of fun on their podcast. And I think at the time it was one of the higher rated podcast of the time and you know they've moved on to bigger and better guests i suppose and it's it was it's been a lot of fun and i don't know each time greg will call me and say hey uh my guest that for this week may not make it is there any way that you can 
fill in at the last minute if he doesn't? And the answer is always yes, if I can. Right. So, um, I guess it got born out of that, and he said, you know, my apology to Fred Nix one day. And I think there's also a, um, one of the talk show hosts did that to Matt Damon, I think, somewhere down the line. I think it's kind of modeled after that. So love me some Greg, and, and the, the, their their podcast is pretty amazing, which I'm sure yeah. you guys are going to end up crushing them, you know, and overtaking them very soon. We definitely will. And uh, knowing that having you on early on as one of our key guests is the is the launch catalyst. Pad. It's the it's yeah. the catalyst. It's the the jumping of the shark of uh, having sure. a podcast go to uh, hundreds of thousands of subscribers or whatever it is. Uh, thank you for being on here as our third option this week. Uh, yeah. If you didn't get on, we were going to have to have Tommy Trogdon on again. So I'm glad you were able to to join us. Nobody wants that. No. <laughs> Uh, you know, again, he was our fourth option in week two and, uh, you know, it's, but we still love the fact that he is our, our true backstop. That's right. Yeah. So, um, it, it, and it's really, you know, we love everything about you, Fred. We, we stalk you on social media. One of those longstanding jokes is, uh, regarding Jaeger. And so, you know, Brent and I were talking, do you, have you actually at this point, you know, got a new home, got to get a housewarming gift. Did you get yourself a Jaeger tack finally? Um, you know, the, I like that it's a kind of an interesting party thing, but if you, those things don't actually keep it cold enough. So I'm not actually a big fan of those things. It's just putting it directly in the freezer is tons colder. So, you know, I've always, I've always just put it right in the free, right in the freezer. What is it about Jaeger that you love so much? I mean, the fact that it's on social media and multiple places leads me to believe there's some, there's something special about it. So tell me, I don't know, you know, you know, we all have to be careful of our brand, and unfortunately, that one's gotten away from me. I don't think there's going to be able to change that. Um, I probably, not probably, I do not drink anywhere near the amount of Jaeger that people seem to think that I do. Um, but, you know, I, I guess it's out there, and that's what it is, which is a testimony to, you know, right back to what we, not to make this serious again, but, you know, when you when you join a new organization, EMC or not, you always got to really be aware of what your brand is coming in. And somehow, you know, the giddy up, the... The videos, the Jaeger, the Vodgeball has, has become, you know, I guess my brand in the IT community. And, you know, some of those are pro- positive, looked on positively. And the, the Jaeger <laughs> is probably marginally, you know, probably not the best brand that I could have, but that's what it is. Well, I mean, you could be like me and Brent, where the only thing we have going for us, aside from the fact that we have a, a mediocre podcast, is that we have hot wives. And, yeah, you know, that sure like enough. people think that we, people know that we outkicked our punt coverage by a couple of fields. Um, so, I mean, look, you, you've got at least a, a lore about you and, and that's the fun part of your lore is the, you know, the over hyping of the Jaeger and the giddy up and all those things. But that follows with somebody who is, um, highly respected for all the other things you've done and people know that. So again, you know, you're, you're the most humble person I know. I don't know how you fit all that humility in such a big body, but you do, um, you know, so it, and, and we do, it's important for us to talk about, you've done all these things. You're a V specialist. You were global pre-sales operations, thousands of people. You've, you've moved into a new role and it's a new role that's kind of near and dear to Brent and I. You are now right. an SE manager, which is responsible for care and feeding of what, roughly somewhere between 10 and 15 people. Um, Probably closer to 15. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, every area is a little different. So, you know, tell us. Tell us what that's about. Tell us, you know, where you're headed with that and what's, what's driving you in that job and what the exciting parts are and, you know, kind of all the motivation. I mean, there's a lot of exciting parts of every job, but what's your motivation this time? 
So my mentor uh, is a guy named J.R. Coleman, which nobody's gonna, nobody knows him. He's a guy that he's a millionaire many times over, lives in Carrollton, Georgia. He owns uh, several different uh, companies. He, he's, and he's a dynamic person. He, he drives an old pickup truck. He's got a, he's got his name embroidered on all of his shirts. So, you know, he's just a, a good old guy that, that understands people and, and how things work. And he told me, I was talking to him about what I was doing, you know, globally on the, the, with, you know, help him run the organization from an operation standpoint. And he challenged me and he said, when's the last time you're on a sales call? And I was a little bit embarrassed to, you know, say it had been some time. And, you know, immediately it clicked in my mind, you know, EMC, everyone m must make customer calls. Um, and, and he said, you know, Fred, I think you're probably getting too far away from the cash register and you can't hear, hear the cash register ringing anymore. And that's a dangerous thing, you know, because you start to lose focus or context of what's going on with the customers. So he challenged me to get back into, you know, get closer to where the, where the, where things are happening, get closer to the customers. And almost that same week, um, I got a call from a couple of folks within EMC and said, Hey, this thing's opened up down in Georgia and Florida. Why don't you, you know, you have any interest in getting off the road and, and coming and, you know, working with the SEs at the, you know, back out in the field. And, and the answer was an, uh, an immediate yes. And I, you know, I interviewed it for it just like anybody else and was lucky enough to have been picked, but getting back to, you know, the onboarding thing was, was really cool from the standpoint of, you know, meeting people for the new, from the new blood and trying to get them ready for battle and sending them out, you know, after a couple of weeks of training and, you know, that was fun, but it's a little bit easy but from the standpoint of, you know, the responsibility ends there and you kind of kick them out, out of the nest and you really, you know, never have, you know, you talk to them later, but it's, you're not involved as much anymore. And what, what I really like about this role is, you know, I'm, I'm working with my guys, guys and gals and, you know, helping to affect customers directly, helping to help SEs grow and, you know, and, 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 you know, starting to share some of the 20 plus years I have of IT experience and 15 plus years as an SC to kind of help them uh, avoid some of the pitfalls that may look like a good idea, but let's stay away from that. And here's why. And, you know, just guide them along the way into their careers, you know, here at EMC and beyond. And, it, and it's a lot of fun. And so I assume as an SE manager now, you're going to have a hundred percent attendance rate for your new SEs at, at uh, new hires. And then also with the follow-up geek week a quarter later. Absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm, I believe in it. You know, I believe in the program and, and they're, uh, they're flourishing and doing well. And I just had my, my most recent hire attend immersion and, and I think he, he got a lot out of it. I love everything about it too. So I agree with you. Awesome. And Brent is trying to talk and he's probably on mute or something. Cause I can't hear him. That is correct. I was on mute. So, hey guys, we're we're out of time. We want we want to make sure that uh, we're we're conscious of everyone's time here. So, Fred, what's the what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, are you a big Snapchat guy? No, not at all, really. Okay, um, good. More of a. <laughs> I'm pretty much if, if you want to, you know, you can pretty much go to any of those crazy outfits, and I'm pretty much always Nick's Fred. So, Twitter, okay. Nick's Fred. Um, you know, you name it, you can find me on Twitter, on Facebook, mainly Twitter though. Okay. 
Great. Yeah. So uh, again, thanks for being on the show. Uh, we really enjoyed having you and, and hopefully it was beneficial to, to our listeners to, to kind of hear what your story is, why, why your passion has kind of bled into the culture that is EMC. So it's great to hear. Uh, we want to hear back from, from our listeners, right? So make sure and get social with us, folks. Uh, tweet us. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. Any topics, what do you want to hear about? Uh, we want to hear from you so we can get uh, more guests on like Fred. We can get anybody talk about anything. Uh, but again, Fred, this is awesome. Um, and we're going to shut it down. So this is The Hot Isle. My name is Brent Piatti. My name is Brian Carpenter. And we'll I'm see Fred. you next week. Oh, yeah. Just Giddy step up. right in. Giddy up. That's right. Giddy, Giddy up. up. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo.